I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And this is Cemetery Row. Woo! Happy Pride! Yes. Happy Pride! And it's supposed to get very gay in here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, so um, this is our Pride episode. We are going to have another Pride-related episode this month, so um, we hope you enjoy our rainbow-colored content. Um, <laughs> please know that we we wave that flag all year long, though, because absolutely we <laughs> love our Rainbow Mafia folks, Miss Hannah included. <laughs> I'm their favorite. um so yeah um a couple of quick news items before we get into our rants and ravings Um, (laughs) we have many we do um i just wanted to give a shout out to atlas preservation it's a company that sells um products that help you clean and restore monuments and gravestones and all that good stuff cemetery restoration products basically everything from uh, you know, the hardcore stuff like that helps you stick tombstones back together to scrub brushes and D2 and stuff like, like that, that you need to clean stones. And um, they have a tour called the 48 state tour where they are trying to go to one cemetery per state in the mainland, basically, <laughs> um, where they go to that one cemetery per state and work on it with volunteers and it's free anyone who wants to learn anything about um cemetery restoration can go um and i attended the one in mississippi on memorial day it was in holly springs and a local historical group basically partnered with um with atlas preservation to put this on and it was so awesome we spent the entire day out there uh learning all about cleaning stones but how to put them back together if they break um resetting them like there was one that it was like in three parts and the stones were just moving everywhere it was mm-hmm. terrifying <laughs> um, we put it all back together again I learned so much I met some really cool people not just from Holly Springs but from around North Mississippi who were passionate about cemeteries so that was really cool um, so if you want to learn more about that, um, you can go to atlaspreservation.com and see if they have a event in your area. And if you decide you want to start, you know, getting into this, learn about it first <laughs> and then buy from them. Um, I just got a package in yesterday of a bunch of good stuff. So I'm excited to get out there. And yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Love it. Yeah. And at the time of recording, I have a tour, a true crime tour this Saturday, but then I'll have another one on June 25th. So come on out and learn about some true crime in Memphis. And just we make have, sure you bring water. Yes. yes. Lots of water, Gatorade. Sunscreen. <laughs> yes. That you, and please, lots of bug spray. I was I about have to so say. many bug bites because did I put on my bug spray? at my stone cleaning workshop last week no i did not i'm still dealing with bites oh anyway remember, <laughs> remember sugar bites the yes year we did memphis in may and we bought galoshes and ponchos yep. specifically because it always rains during memphis in may and yep. what did we leave in the trunk of your car the ponchos yeah. and galoshes we sure so. did <laughs> yeah fun times it was a good show anyway it was, it was great. anything um so yeah so that's all the news i've got um, <clears throat> before we jump into our stories this week, I did just want to say, you know, if you're a member of the LGBTQ community, please know that we love you and we support you and we celebrate you. Um, and if you are an ally, um, we got to step up y'all. Um, there's a lot of really scary things getting said right now about, uh, people in the LGBTQ community, I personally am really worried about trans rights and how they are talking about taking away gender affirming care for kids. But I've also seen people starting to talk about taking away gender affirming care for people of all ages. We cannot let that happen. We've got to step up and we've got to get loud and we've got to stand with members of the trans community. Absolutely. And all this talk about kids don't belong at drag shows needs to stop it for decades people have taken their kids to hooters 
mm-hmm. which is worse than a drag show. Um, I, well, and that's the thing is they I'm talk tired about of demonizing drag shows. Well, exactly. And they talk about, oh, sexualizing kids. How many times do you hear somebody tell a two-year-old, oh, is that your little boyfriend? Yeah. Like who's sexualizing who here? Yeah. And I know I've said it on this podcast before, but straight people think about gay sex far more than the gays do. Yes. I promise you. Yeah. Yep. The gays, you know, they're boring. <laughs> Excruciatingly boring. They go to Home Depot. Um, one my the last time I was in Home Depot, they were playing Katie Lang. And I was like, well, this is a little oh. on the nose, but I, love I Katie see Lang. You. I do too. <laughs> um, I hope she's doing well wherever she is. She is. Good. I follow I'm her on like everything because her voice is just really magic. okay. I send me her. her links. I shall. If you're listening to this, go follow Katie Lang on all the things. Hey, if you're oh. Katie Lang, call us. Yes. <laughs> I, I just want to hear you sing. Please join us on the podcast because that <laughs> duet with uh, Dwight Yoakam. Was oh, like, yeah. The, I've had many times during prepubescence that I'm like, I think I'm different. That was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so. Shout out to Dwight Yoakam, too. I love him. Yeah. Go Dwight. And, and, and shout out to Rosie, the <laughs> black baby void that now belongs to Hannah. Yes. Miss Rosie Rue, um, who I was calling Dozy Rosie earlier, but then I remember that was Rosemary West's nickname as a child and decided oh, no. not to do that. No. Um, but she is um, three months of just kitten chaos. So I love it. Di- we're doing good. Her and Jack have finally um, come to a truce. They're having Beautiful. fun. Gwen still says, fuck this, but that is, that's how <laughs> that's Gwen, Gwen rolls. Yeah. That is how Gwen rolls. So I've had Jack for 10 years and Gwen still doesn't like him. So yes, <laughs> exactly. It is um, it but yeah. So anyway, I just say all that to say, um, you know, anyone that is in the LGBTQ community, we love you, but also allies, it's time for us to stand up and, and get loud and, and protect um, our friends and family. Absolutely. Because, you know, we just can't let people run over people. And well, I know and that's like the cool thing to do these days, but I'm I sick mean, of it. I'm tired of everyone putting a target on other people's back. Well, like, and <sighs> I'm going to talk about this a little bit in my story, but this is this is genocide. It <laughs> is hundred percent. That's what's happening is, yeah. is they're trying to get these people to not exist. And if it's by erasing them from the public or getting them right. to kill themselves or right. putting a target on their back to other unbalanced, unwell people, right. that's what this is doing. You don't yeah. call somebody a pedophile. Like, I mean, that is the worst possible thing you could be right. Is right. a pedo. And so by saying, oh, they're grooming, oh, they're being pedos, they're basically saying it's okay to go kill them. Oh, yeah. And that shit ain't cool. No, it's not. And I hate that we're having to have these conversations in 2022. Um, But like I said, I just, you know, there's no reason to hate someone because of their sexuality, because of their gender identity. Um, Minding your business is 100% free. Yes, it is. Well, my big thing, and I was talking about this with my parents this weekend, is, you know, the U.S., America, was founded on religious freedom. Like, Mm -hmm. they were being persecuted for how they worshipped. And just how insane it's gotten in this country about if you're not Christian, if you live a lifestyle that the Bible says is wrong or that you're interpreting the Bible is saying is right. It's just so blown out of proportion. It's like people risk their lives to come here to be who they were, you know, Mm -hmm. and wanted to worship a certain way. That was the only way they felt to do it. And this is the legacy of that is, you know, yeah, absolutely. People aren't allowed to be who they are. We need to have a separation of church and state. have it actually happen yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely because that's not what's going on yeah so yeah um we have a couple of interesting stories coming to you some of them may be a little difficult but um you know we're gonna hold these names up high and honor these people yes and we're gonna end with some dirty jokes yes how we do it here we're gonna try to bring up the mood a little bit with uh sheena at the end but (laughs) i will 
I'm going to kick things off because mine is probably the darkest of these stories. There is not happiness. And so I'm going to start off. I just appreciate you guys being the gremlins. (laughs) So trigger warnings for everything. I mean, torch, just trigger warning, trigger warning. Um, If you want to skip ahead, that's fine. Um, This story is, is pretty sad and pretty dark. So here we go. Sarah Hagazi's grave does not stand out. In fact, you won't find the accurate location if you try to look her up on Find a Grave. She's buried in a quiet cemetery outside Toronto, Canada, and her final resting place is marked by some beautiful, lovingly colored flowers or lovingly planted flowers in a rainbow. Um, There is no marker. I could not find any mention of the name of said cemetery. So I don't believe for protection. Right, right. I mean, the the find a grave says she's buried in Cairo. So not true. Not even close. Well, and Um, find a grave is not always accurate. Right, right. So a rainbow of flowers honors the life and legacy of a lesbian activist whose life was cut tragically short due to a military regime's persecution of anyone who stepped out of line of what they viewed as normal. Sarah was born in Egypt in 1989. She was the oldest of four children of a middle-class conservative parents. Um, Her father was either a high school science teacher or a science professor. Um, He passed away when the kids were young, and she spent her childhood helping her mother raise her younger siblings um from what i found her childhood was pretty quiet um she never talked about it much in interviews uh she followed the rules and she even wore a hijab and traditional islamic attire up until 2016 which is when she came out as a lesbian she uh, studied information technology and earned a bachelor's degree from Phoebus Academy in 2010, and then also from the American University in Cairo in 2016. Education seemed to be pretty important to her. She took distance learning workshops through Columbia University, the University of California, and Emory, and that's just you know a couple of the certifications she received. Those are some big name schools right right and politically she identified as a communist but i've also i've I've also seen that she was a socialist which you know they kind of different yeah a little different she was a staunch supporter of the egypt egypt's bread and freedom party which was a democratic socialist party while she resided in cairo and she spoke out against the military regime and the takeover that happened in egypt she was a big supporter of not only gay and lesbian rights but the rights of people in general mm-hmm. um but an incident that occurred on september 22nd 2017 catapulted her into the lgbtq spotlight which is a very dangerous place to be in egypt right yeah that evening yeah that evening while attending a concert for the lebanese band Mashrulela. I tried to find a pronunciation, couldn't find it in time. So I, I think we're good. Mashrulela. We're doing we're, our best. Yeah, we yes, speak I'm Egyptian. Tra- I'm trying people. <clears throat> she was photographed among the crowd of more than 30,000 people holding a pride flag. I will include the, uh, the picture on our socials. It is a glorious photo of the her. Photo just is beautiful. Carefree. Yeah, is. The flag behind her. Um, so you see the lead singer of the band, Hamed Sino, is openly gay. And Sarah and others would later say that displaying the flag was in support of him and his his sexuality. Yeah. Um, quote, it was an act of support and solidarity, not only with the vocalist, but for everyone who is oppressed. She would later tell NPR. So the day after the concert, obviously, pictures went were all over social media from the concert mm-hmm. the night before. Uh, photos of Sarah, photos of others holding pride flags were circulating. And within a week, Egyptian authorities arrived at her home and charged her with joining an illegal group, promoting its ideas, as well as promoting sexual deviancy and debauchery. Oh, geez. So homosexuality is on the books illegal. And- right. Okay. She was the only woman among the more than 55 concert goers who were arrested. 
So now Sarah finds herself getting interrogated um, for this. Which is, I'm sure, terrifying. Yeah. She would later recount that she was blindfolded and taken in a car to a filthy smelling place where she she was tied to a chair, left with a rag in her mouth, and still had the blindfold on. And she said she eventually passed out. She didn't know how long she had been there, but she came to after getting electrocuted. Oh, Oh my God. God. While she was being questioned, her interrogator asked if she was a virgin and why she didn't wear her hijab. Jesus. They, They even asked her to prove that the World Health Organization did not consider homosexuality a disease. Like, Google that shit, you (laughs) fucking assholes. Exactly. In an op-ed that she wrote in September 2018, she wrote, quote, the investigator's questions were naive to the point of idiocy. Idiocy. (laughs) Idiocy. He likened communism to homosexuality, and at other times, he sarcastically asked me why homosexuals refrain from having sex with animals and children. Oh, my Jesus Christ. So what you were just saying, Hannah, about pedos and things like that, grooming. Yeah, this is what they're thinking in Egypt. Christ. Well, I'm not going to say they ain't thinking it here either. So true, unfortunately. So following her interrogation, she spent three months in a women's prison. Oh. The first nine days, she was in solitary confinement. Ugh. She did, <clears throat> excuse me, join two other inmates who had been instructed to ignore her. Uh, she was not allowed to go outside for exercise. And that fucked with her eyes by the time she oh, got I out. Bet. I yeah. imagine. It does not take long for your no. eyes to get messed up. Um, yeah. Right. She was attacked by inmates. And continually was abused by prison officials. Go figure. Mm. Three months into her imprisonment, she was released on bail. And she, bail. God, I'm (laughs) struggling. (laughs) Country girl. She was released on bail. (laughs) And she was a shell of the person she had been before. I can't imagine. Yeah, I know. She was, uh, she struggled with her mental health and recalled being afraid of everyone from friends and family to people on the street. She spent time in a psychiatric hospital where she was diagnosed with severe depression. You Uh, think? And she suffered from hallucinations and Mm. obviously severe PTSD. Yeah. Bless her heart. Quote. I have not forgotten the injustice that left black spots etched with the soul and oozing blood spots that doctors could never cure. And she wrote that's some deep shit. Very, very deep. And it was, I had to Google translate it from uh, Arabic. So hopefully it, um, it all translated correctly. still powerful, no matter, no, made some errors or not. She did receive asylum in Canada in 2018. Good. A month after she arrived, she found out her mother had passed away. Oh, mm. no. So that's a struggle. She's here in a foreign country. Um, you know, she's not a native. So finding work where she can make money mm-hmm. and yeah. being able to support herself, even though she did. She's re- smart and she has all these degrees, but oh, she did receive support from the Canadian government, but it, it, with all the mental health issues she was struggling with, there was no amount that was going to be enough to get her the help she needed. Mm-hmm. Um, she would later tell the C- CBC news quote, I want to get over it. And I want to forget, but no, I'm still stuck in prison. In mm. Mm, gosh. <laughs> she struggled to find suitable psychiatric care. Um, she was never able to connect with a medical provider that could handle and understand her personal trauma and how right. to treat it. Yeah. You know, this is not something that everyone goes through. You know, right. right. Absolutely. Is, there needs to be a very specific type of mental trauma care. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Sadly, Sarah Hagazi completed suicide on June 14th, 2020. Mm. Mm. At her funeral, her life and legacy were celebrated. She was buried in a beautiful casket that was painted in the colors of the rainbow flag. And there is a fist with the hand raised 
on oh. the lid of it. And I do, yeah, I love I, that. I do have a picture of her coffin because it is just I, absolutely beautiful. I hate that that's, she has to have one so young. Right. young yeah. Mm-hmm. She was 30. Oh, God. yeah. Baby. So, absolutely. Um, in September of 2020, a mural was unveiled in Brighton in England. Mm-hmm. On the first anniversary of her death, activists commissioned a mural in her honor, which was unveiled in Toronto's Gay Village. The Association for Women's Rights and Development also named her in their tribute to the 450 feminist activists who have changed the world. Aww. So now I want to end on a quote from Sarah. And again, this is trigger warning because this comes from what has historically been referred to as a suicide note. Um, Her message is written in Arabic. It was found shortly after they discovered her and it's very short and to the point, but it's so sad and heartbreaking that this is what she was feeling. Quote to my siblings, I tried to survive and I failed. Forgive Mm. me to my friends. The experience was harsh and I am too weak to resist it. Forgive Mm. me. To the world, you were cruel to a great extent, but I forgive. Oh, end quote. Ah, heartbreaking. Yeah. So that is her heart. Yeah. That is the story of Sarah Hagazi. I wish there was more information about her life before that. And, you know, the good things about her because um, reading articles and looking at interviews from the time she passed, she did have a community that supported and loved her. Um, And there were bright moments in her life that she just, unfortunately, you know, the darkness outweighed the light. And when you have gone through something like she went through, yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's a lot. It's It's hard to come out of and being so far away from her family, losing her mother, Mm -hmm. um, you know, struggling to, to get financial support. And, and, you know, there's, even though Canada is a much more liberated country, you know, there's still some stigmas around LGBTQ people. Oh, absolutely. And so, so yeah, she, she found a new home, but there was also some discrimination that her community faces. Well, yeah, and being Jerks a refugee in every country, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, and like her yeah. being a refugee, her Absolutely. being from the Middle East. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure all of that, you know, kind of played into it. Right. So. I hope she's resting in peace. I hope she feels loved yeah. and honored now. Me she too. Is. Yes. And, and, and she feels accepted and, and supported because I just, I can't imagine that life and I can't imagine what she was going through. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I hope, you know, there's, I have not seen any updates about her grave. I do have a picture of the, the grave site with the flowers, mm-hmm. but hopefully they're able to get some money together to get a, a nice headstone for her. If that's mm-hmm. something that they want to do. <clears throat> but as of, I think 2021, the flowers were the only indication of where she was buried. A, a group went to try to, to visit the grave and it took them quite a while to find the exact spot where she was buried Mm. yeah and we don't want her to be forgotten no no absolutely yeah so all right hannah all right this is going to be less sad and more really getting pissed but yeah hey that's what we're here for so it's June and all of our favorite brands have donned their gay apparel (laughs) yes all over linkedin (laughs) But it's important to remember that within my lifetime and probably yours, hundreds of thousands of predominantly gay men were dying after brutal periods of illness. And not only did our government do exactly jack shit about it, they cracked jokes and press conferences about it. Yep. There's a clip on YouTube. It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Fuck Reagan. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, Our generation and younger haven't seen people die of AIDS like they did in the 80s and 90s. Young men in the full bloom of their youth covered in lesions, going blind and wasting away into nothing. Often they were treated like biohazards, locked away in solitary rooms with no one to visit if their family hadn't completely disowned them at this point. And many died with no one to claim their bodies, and they were usually discarded in trash bags. Mm -hmm. It's a credit to the medical and scientific community that we've come as far as we have, but that didn't come without a fight. 
And on the vanguard of that fight was a firebrand playwright in New York City named Larry Kramer. Larry started the AIDS, started the the organization AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power or ACT UP in 1987 (laughs) after parting ways with another organization that he had started, Gay Men's Health Crisis. We'll get into Gay Men's Health Crisis uh, later on in the story. Larry is quite the guy. Larry Mm -hmm. knew what was needed. Action. In March of 1987, ACT UP rolled up on fucking Wall Street to protest, and 17 members of the group would be arrested for civil disobedience. You want to get the nation's attention? Start fucking with the stock exchange. The group would hit Wall Street a few more times, including chaining themselves to the VIP balcony. Ooh, nice. Fucking legends. (laughs) In keeping with the premise of let's fuck with the money, on tax day in 1987, they hit up the general post office in New York City for a protest. Remember, this is the 80s, so everything tax-related had to be done through the mail. No internet. Mm, Yeah. I don't even think you could do shit over the phone at that point. I think you had to mail everything in. This event also marked the beginning of the conflation of ACT UP with the Silence Equals Death project which created a poster consisting of a right side up pink triangle an upside down pink triangle was used to mark gays in Nazi concentration camps on a black background with a text silence equals death. Mm-hmm. This is also a good time to remember that when the concentration camps were liberated, those in the camps for homosexuality were not freed. They had to complete whatever sentence the Nazis had handed down. Wow. Yep. Act Up wasn't done disrupting the halls of power. Larry and others were frustrated by the seeming lack of movement on AIDS research and drug therapies on the part of the FDA. If you read the really amazing book and the band played on, um, I forget the author's name, but we'll include it. It's an amazing book. It took me like a good six months to finish because I had to keep stopping and like collecting myself because it was a lot. It is a lot. You'll discover that Funding tied to political will had a hand in the FDA's lackluster response, but also the idea that, well, it's only queers dying. Who cares? Right. It was only gays. Who gives a shit? In October of 1988, ACT UP hit the jackpot for media coverage, but it successfully shut down the FDA for a day. The activists shut down the large facility by blocking doors, walkways, and a road as the FDA workers reported to work. The crowd of either uh, from 1100 to 1500 chanted and their chants are, were amazing hey hey fda how many people have you killed today oh, oh yes. yes then hoisted a banner reading federal death administration oh, they staged wow. yeah they weren't playing they staged a die-in at st patrick's cathedral in new york city oh i've seen yes. that that was um, amazing Please watch the documentary, How to Survive a Plague, because it has video of all of these things, and it's fucking amazing. In St. Patrick's Cathedral, where where during mass, protesters lied on the floor and had to be hoisted out on gurneys, an incredible Mm -hmm. visual protest, if there ever was one. Yep. They staged a kiss-in at St. Vincent's (laughs) Hospital, which I love, which due to its location was ground zero for many of New York's AIDS sufferers. Mm. On November 29th, 1991, Black Friday that year, act up activists dressed in Santa Claus costumes and chained themselves inside Macy's flagship Herald Square store to protest the store's decision to not rehire an HIV positive Santa. Mark for Woodley. Them. They sing Good protest songs with lyrics such as Santa Claus has HIV, fa la 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 la. Macy's won't rehire me. Fa la 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 la. Wow. <laughs> I love the gays. Yeah. <laughs> Larry was a field general in the truest sense of the word, and he got his hands dirty in the fight to get these men the health care they deserved. He threw a drink at a closeted Republican lawmaker. Love it. <laughs> and even conspired to put a large fake condom on Senator Jesse Helms house. Yes, please. And this yes, is as please. good a time as any to say, fuck Jesse Helms. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote the play, the normal heart, which debuted in 1985 and was largely autobiographical about a young, oh, really? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. The normal heart is yeah. basically like his story. 
um, about a young gay man trying to create action while watching his friends and loved ones die. Loved ones die. It also took direct aim at then New York City Mayor Ed Koch. We will. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I really don't care. Who cares? A, yeah. A closeted gay man who tried to hide his own sexuality by being as obtusely brutal to the gay community in his city oh, as possible. Yuck. The banality of evil. And since yeah. Larry is a petty bitch after my own heart, he told the board, <laughs> the like co-op board of his building to not put his memorial plaque anywhere near Ed Koch's or conscious, whatever, <laughs> because yes, the two sworn enemies lived in the same building. Uh, Apparently the, to- the doorman took great pains to make sure the two never crossed paths, though my money is on Larry. <laughs> Larry was an exceptional man in his field even before the AIDS crisis became his main focus. He was born on June 25th, 1935 and studied English at Yale. Ooh. He tried to Unfortunately, he did try to take his own life during his first year there, oh, which motivated him to fight for, in his words, gay people's worth. Following his recovery, he came out to his brother who sent him to a psychiatrist. You know, you know, after graduation, Kramer worked for the William Morris Agency and then at Columbia Pictures, where and I did not know this about him. He began as a production assistant before working his way up to be an executive production on films, including Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Strangelove. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. In 1978, he wrote faggots a novel about the fast and loose lifestyle of the fire island gay scene including its rampant drug use and promiscuity the fire island gays were not pleased and the book was banned from bookstores on the island and in manhattan oh wow (laughs) faggots however became one of the best-selling gay novels of all time wow Larry said, the straight world thought I was repulsive and the gay world treated me like a traitor. People would literally turn their back when I walked by. You know what my real crime was? I put the truth in writing. That's what I do. I have told the fucking truth to everyone I have ever met. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love Larry Kramer so much. (laughs) Uh, As the 80s came roaring into New York City, Larry had no real interest in political activism. He liked the golden gods of Fire Island. But his friends started getting sick and dying, and no one knew why. He formed a group with fellow gay movers and shakers in his own living room called the Gay Men's Health Crisis. In 1983, he wrote a piece for the gay newspaper, The New York Native, sounding the alarm about the looming crisis. The 5,000-word feature titled 1,112 and Counting began. If this article doesn't scare the shit out of you, we're in real trouble. The article's the article came for everybody. It came for the National Institutes of Health, the FDA, the government, Ed Koch, New York. It came for everybody. It had a very harsh condemnation at those gay men who seemed to think that if they ignore it, it would simply go away. Hmm, where have we heard this? <laughs> yep. Nothing changes ever. Mm-mm. Our continued existence depends on just how angry you can get. Unless we fight for our lives, we shall die. Larry wrote Mm -hmm. Tony Kushner, who wrote, who won the 1993 Pulitzer prize for drama for his play angels in America about AIDS in the United States said of the essay with that one piece, Larry changed my world. He changed the world for all of us. Kramer's confrontational style wasn't a hit with his fellow GMHC members. And he was ousted from the group in 1983. Mm -hmm. Many people saw his views as alarmist and that he was being negative about sex. He would also spar, but eventually become friends with my favorite immunologist, Dr. Anthony Fauci. (laughs) I love Dr. Fauci. Fauci said in American medicine, there are two eras before Larry and after Larry. Oh, wow. Yup. Larry Kramer, who was HIV positive and had received a liver transplant, died at the age of 84 on May 27th, 2020. Larry's legacy goes beyond the push for medical equity in the face of a plague. He changed the face of protests. As writer T. Cole Rachel wrote in Garage shortly after Kramer's death, Larry brought anger and frustration to the forefront. Groups facing marginalization, disenfranchisement, and indeed annihilation at the hand of the prevailing authority cannot afford to be silent. They cannot afford to be polite. Larry's message rings as true in 2022 as it did 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. silence equals death yep 
I could not find uh, where Larry is interred. Um, I'm assuming his family wants that to be a private matter. Um, so that's cool. I yep. totally agree. Um, there are some really great AIDS memorials around the country. Um, Chicago has a Chicago uh, AIDS Memorial Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to take some pictures of that probably this weekend. Um, but find your local AIDS memorial and, you know, check it out um, in Larry's honor. That is what he would like. And get tested often yes. and practice safe sexual behavior. There's yes. no 100% safe sex, but there's absolutely no reason to behave like it is 1965 out in these streets. <laughs> it's not. Wrap <clears throat> it. Wrap it before you tap it. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know yes. if I'll remember that from college. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, yes I do. Um, and I was going to say, too, it, it is AIDS and, and STDs in general are especially bad here in the South. Yes. Um, I know that um, here in Memphis, the AIDS crisis is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to mention this, too, and I don't know if um, we have any listeners in any of these cities, but we're doing some work right now um, with the agency I work for. Um, for a study research study that's being conducted right now it's called the advanced study and it is for um, they're basically trying to change the whole policy that gay men cannot donate blood or that it has to be so much time after their last sexual encounter right they basically have to be celibate right and so this study is searching for gay bisexual men who have sex with men um, in between 18 and 39, I think that's right. In I forget how many different cities in the U S but it's like LA, Washington, DC, Memphis, Atlanta, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, all these cities, you can go to advancedstudy.org and look at all the places and see if you think you may be eligible and sign up for it. Yeah. I really recommend any men out there who have sex with men to be a part of that study. Um, or if you know someone who may fall into that category, um, encourage them to do that because that's just another way to discriminate against, uh, men who have sex with men. Yeah, so, absolutely. I yeah, mean, um, and there's, it's, you know, at the very beginning when there wasn't testing, yeah. um, because in the U.S. we didn't really give a shit until the hemophiliacs started getting, um, you know, tainted blood products and right. started getting AIDS via that method. Um, there was even a doctor who did an article in Cosmo saying that heterosexual sex couldn't pass yeah. HIV and it absolutely can yes it can um whereas there were i remember when we were in college the delta um in mississippi was experiencing just an immense yeah. immense outbreak um indiana the same intravenous drug use um if yeah. you d- don't use dirty needles um i actually there is a, a harm mitigation program here in chicago that i donate money to you know yeah. when i have some extra um, just to keep intravenous drug users from, you know, cause Indiana had a huge outbreak because yeah. Pence, the fuck face did some stupid shit and, you know, they had a huge outbreak amongst intravenous users. AIDS isn't done. Um, no, we no. have and- a cocktail now you can live longer with it. Um, it's not the death sentence that it was in like right. 88, but you still don't want it. You still don't right. want to do this, you know? And, you know, you can take prep. And other right. meds that will help, um, you know, you can be, it's, it's, as they say, undetectable is, yeah. um, oh, I forgot the other half of the word. We used to do a lot of work with, um, in helping to prevent AIDS and yeah, prophylactics. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just a, a phrase undetectable. I can't remember. God, I used to type it a thousand times. Um, but yeah, I mean, and two, yeah, inter, uh, the, the drug use is an issue too. So I don't know if every small city or, or small town has it, but they should have some kind of needle exchange. Um, so look into what is in your area to keep you safe. Um, and if you're not an intravenous user and you're thinking, all oh, this help out, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the thing with drug use is 
it's an illness. It's a disease. Yes, it's something exactly. that they're struggling with. Yes. Um, it's best to make it safer than it is to just expect them to not do it, which isn't going to yes. happen. hundred percent. Um, because at the beginning, you know, of the AIDS crisis, when it was still grid gay related immune deficiency, um, they were just like, they just told the game, well, don't have sex. I'm like, well, it's not, it's not. Have you met humans? Yeah. We, we like to humans fuck. are sexual. Like, <laughs> right. Oh. I mean, that is our, our predilection is to bone. Like that is what we do. Um, so that's a really stupid advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and impractical. That's like when they tell like, well, what's your plan for preventing teen pregnancy? We'll just tell teenagers not to have sex. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah that's right. always worked. Yeah, right. Sure. Back when they could marry each other, fifteen. I'm sure that was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, so that, much now. That Mississippi abstinence-only sex education yes. is really doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really worked out great. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just be safe. Honor Larry Kramer by yeah. you know being safe and throwing drinks at closeted Republicans. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or just Republicans in general. Yeah, it, uh, hey, I'm down for it. And you know what? Yes. Fight me. If you are yeah. currently listening and you're like, I don't like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I'm not. Yeah. Um, I was going to say in Memphis. And of course, I know every city has probably their own, um, you know, organizations that help folks who, ha- who are HIV positive. But in Memphis, I really like um friends for life the corner um we've got a lot of good agencies in memphis um the help is there so yeah absolutely i don't know too if if anyone has ever watched pose from fx i love pose it i cry at every episode um but it has really beautiful and difficult depictions of what life was like in the 80s and, and yeah. really in the seventies too. And, and going into the nineties, come to think of it. Cause I just started season three. I had to make sure I was emotionally prepared yeah. um, and I'm not, I'm still not. I just finished the third episode and I'm still crying at every episode, but they yeah. have a lot of, I think really honest depictions of the AIDS crisis and it's really Absolutely. powerful. Um, and there's a lot of good fun to be had in that show. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's sad all the time, but it's a wonderful show. Yeah. And if you do watch um, how to survive a plague, which was great, I think I, watched it on hulu mm-hmm. um you get to see larry kramer in his full pissed off just glory and it is a sight to behold um cool. but it's also like being in a good emotional <laughs> space like don't have yeah. anything else bothering you when you watch it because yeah. you're gonna just ball your fucking eyes out <laughs> <laughs> well good job hannah you're welcome heck yeah larry yeah fuck yeah larry all right. So with my person, um, like I said, I'm, I'm going to try to bring up the mood just a little bit. We're going to have a little um, fun. We're going to have a little fun. Like the total grandmother that I am. Y'all know I'm a grandma. <laughs> we love I you. chose my person based on an item of theirs that was appraised on the glory hallelujah of all TV shows, Antiques Roadshow. Hell one yeah. of my favorite shows. Um, I was watching it this past February and they brought up this item and I'm like, oh, what's this? And they were talking about the, my guy and I'm like, who's that? And everything they talked about, I was like, that guy's cool. And I literally wrote his name down. I was like, in our Pride episode in June, this is who I'm covering. So picture it america the 70s and 80s oh boy yeah tv viewers could tune in to see stars like b arthur dion warwick phyllis diller jay leno bernadette peters betty white george carlin and debbie reynolds just to name a few on variety shows game shows and talk shows i miss variety shows i love variety shows oh my god they're the best. Alongside those stars, they would also likely spot a foul-mouthed, outrageous old, outrageous old broad of a puppet named Madam, and her human Waylon Flowers, or as Madame Madam herself liked to say, "He's no ventriloquist, and I'm no dummy." <laughs> so, Waylon has the best name ever, Waylon Parrot Flowers Jr. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm like, much. your middle name is Parrot. I love it. And I Who think his name to this baby. Uh, his daddy, because his daddy was a senior. Um, oh, oh my God. Who named his daddy Parrot? Um, well, the town that they're from, I think there, there must have been a lot of them because some of them 
his family members that I could find were from Parrot, Georgia. And I'm like, oh, so y'all, there were just so many of y'all. You just named the town after yourself. You know who <laughs> else's last name was Parrot? Um, Pee Wee Gaskins, the serial killer. Okay, carry on. Oh, great. Well, yeah, Parrot's his middle name, but Waylon Parrot Flowers. But some of his family are parrots. That's right. Nice. Either way, he some was of born. His family are parrots. <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyway, he was born November 26, 1939, in Dawson, Georgia. That's uh, Southwest Georgia. Uh, he was raised there. I did think it was interesting. I'm um, sad, but interesting. His father, Waylon Parrot Flowers Sr was killed in world war ii in luxembourg in 1945 and he's buried there um little waylon was a very artistic little boy and as you can imagine growing up in the 40s and 50s in rural georgia there's not a lot of an art scene or a lot of culture uh, his mom, Layla, bought him a marionette set for Christmas when he was about eight, and that changed everything. Um, he was just obsessed with marionettes and puppets from day one. His uncle was a dentist and taught him how to make casts and how to sculpt, and so he was able to make his own puppets, uh, marionettes, really. And uh, he also took dance, music, and movement lessons to better work on his puppetry skills. Uh, his classmates teased him for being such a goody-goody. He was a, a sweet little boy. So as he got older, he learned that he could make friends by not just making jokes, but making dirty jokes. His humor uh -huh. went a little blue. Uh, I like him already. I love him. He just seems like the sweetest guy. Um, wildly talented. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, he honed his puppetry skills over the years. And after moving from Georgia to New York in the early 60s, he performed with and built puppets for Suzari Marionettes. I hope I said that right. Bill Baird and Nicholas Coppola. And when I say Nicholas Coppola, I'm not talking that about Nick Cage. <laughs> I was about not to say, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I Googled to double check. This was a different Nicholas Coppola. This was the um, artistic director of Puppet Works. So okay. basically, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, puppets and marionettes were kind of huge. They were yeah. you know, a lot of different TV shows and a lot of kids I entertainment mean, was built around puppets or marionettes. I still find them deeply creepy, but I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, it. same, 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 same. <laughs> but he, uh, he worked with a lot of really um, famous puppetry folks and was kind of chilling with the big wigs. It was, it was cool. He really worked on it and he worked his way up to the top is what I'm saying. Um, in 1964, Wayland, and, and we'll get to that later, Wayland created what would become Madam. Uh, so he's doing a puppet show at the New York World's Fair, and a co-worker gave him a witch puppet. And he had never worked with a rod puppet, like puppets that have those rods and all that attached right. to them, um, only marionettes. So he decided to change this puppet up. So he resculpted her and gave her a personality described as a mix between Phyllis Diller and Mae West. <laughs> and this is yes. how we get Madam. So in addition to those ladies, it said that Madam was inspired by old Hollywood stars like Gloria, Gloria Swanson and maybe a Washington, D.C. gay icon and restaurant hostess named Margot McGregor. And we need to cover her at some point. She just seems like this incredibly sweet lady who, as I said, worked as a restaurant hostess. But she sort of became a mother to all the gay men in the D.C. area. Well, she sounds and, like a hoot. Yeah, she really was. When you look up pictures of her, you can see how she looks like Madam. And I don't know if he really built Madam to be kind of after her, but it sounds like, you know, could have been. Um, but she seems really cool. Um, and she was there for a lot of the men during the AIDS crisis as well. Mm -hmm. So she sounds like she was an awesome lady. Um, so Wayland, I mean, he literally was building these puppets himself. And there are a lot of different versions of Madam. He usually had like eight or nine different versions of her um an early version didn't have any arms but later he included them and it's so fascinating to watch him work with her and see how expressive she is with her hands and what all she can do with her hands i was kind of surprised with some of that 
Um, of course, I'm not a big puppet person, but I was just like, right? God, she seems like she's alive. Like she's just so vivacious. Um, she had a variety of costumes, usually evening gown with feathers and sequins and what Madam called her summer diamonds Ooh. because <laughs> some are diamonds and some are not. <laughs> <laughs> and Waylon was not a ventriloquist. Uh, you could see his mouth move. Uh, he it. said he hated ventriloquist voices and he said he was not a ventriloquist, but an illusionist, because when he appeared on stage with Madam, he sort of disappeared into the background. And Excellent. she that's a good character. She took over. Yeah. And and a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times the spotlight would only be on her or she was maybe the only one you saw on screen. So you, you didn't see him much at all. Um, and Madam sang. Uh, Waylon had a really lovely voice. Um, he did create some other puppets, um, like Crazy Mary, an escapee, escapee from a mental ho- hospital. Oh, boy. Yeah, some of it's a little wrong. It was the 70s. It was the 70s, and this, this kind of crap was expected, I guess. Um, Jiffy, a Harlem street walker, sex worker, okay. with a heart okay. of brass, is how she's described. I like and it. Macaloni, Macaloni. I wasn't sure on that one. An old retired vaudeville comedian, but really, Madam was the star. Um, and she, I mean, it's almost like she rose to fame and Waylon was just with her for the ride. I mean, even though he did literally create her, um, she was the star for sure. So, Waylon and Madam are a team, and he would perform everywhere. At the start, he would take Madam to you know, all kinds of bars and nightclubs and strip joints. And um, they would sit there and, and he would do a little act with her and they'd get all the attention. And eventually these bar and nightclub owners started paying him to come in and do shows with the puppet. Um, Cause they were, they were just, everyone was talking about how great they were. God, They're, the seventies were fucking weird. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> just, just wait for, wait for the sentence I'm about to say, Hannah. Oh God, help me. <laughs> Their first official professional performance was Waylon's off-Broadway show called Kumquats, billed, <laughs> billed as the world's first erotic puppet show. Oh, <laughs> God help oh, me. How did you say that with a straight face? Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Because I've read that exact line <laughs> about three million times in doing Kumquat. research this week. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and the pair, Madam and Waylon, got their big break when they appeared on the Andy Williams show. And in, initially, they were considered too naughty for TV. <laughs> but I love it. He toned it down a little bit for TV, but some of those one-liners, I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> like, I was kind of surprised some of them made it to air. And of course, if he was not doing something for TV, if it was just a performance at a club or a theater, it was rated X, basically. Oh, I love it. Um. And they were a huge hit. One reviewer said, Madam, whom Flowers manipulates with amazing precision, is creme de la creme of high camp. I and that's, that's truly what it is. It's, she's so campy and funny. And mm-hmm. it's really cool to see him be her because, as I said, her, her movements are so precise and just... It, it almost seems like she's alive. And, you know, one interviewer even said when he was, they were interviewing Madam and Waylon, they're like, it's so weird because we're sitting here talking to you, but she's still moving. You know, he was still making it like mm-hmm. acting like she was still sort of there in the interview. It was very weird. Um, and he said um, he did use a lot of some of the same jokes over and over, but um, they were they were good one-liners but a lot of his performances were ad-libbed like he was just coming up with it off the top of his head so very very smart um and then in 1972 madam and waylon start in the movie norman is that you (laughs) um y'all listen (laughs) i watched i watched uh waylon's performance in this and he he's it's basically him and madam like they always do except he doesn't go by Waylon flowers he goes by a name of larry davenport okay larry davenport yeah oh boy now when i read the description because i'm like what is this movie and the little bit i saw of it it was so terrible (laughs) it stars red fox oh god (laughs) and his son comes out as gay and he's trying to i don't want to say set him straight but 
Okay. And I'm like, whatever this movie is, I don't think I want to be a part of it. So I watched uh That sounds Wayland's. like a very red fox. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Um, anyway, so Waylon and Madam also appeared on episodes of Laugh-In and Solid Gold. And they also took over uh, actor-comedian Paul Lynn's spot on Hollywood Squares, which is a huge game show. I love him on Hollywood Squares. Paul <laughs> Lynn, um, who we could cover in our next yes. episode, was, as they uh, some sources I saw called him, a barely closeted homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and he was like the middle square, which is like the big square, you right. know. Look, and hindsight so, being 2020 and all, I would watch like the game show network with my grandma and be like, I'm sorry. She's like, look, it was a different time. It was a totally <laughs> different was time. Like- and speaking of solid gold and sexuality, Waylon was one of the first celebrities who was openly gay. I never read anything where anyone gave him crap for it like in the press or whatever i'm i'm sure it happened because humans are terrible like you gotta um, expect the weird puppet guy to be gay <laughs> exactly <laughs> um and i mean he worked with all these celebrities he was on so much stuff um so i don't know either way i'm, I'm sure he got some flack for it because it's the 70s and 80s and people are terrible but i never in everything i read it was never really brought up or even made a big deal. However, during his time on Solid Gold, which he was on there um, in the later part of the show, which was like the mid late 80s, he was diagnosed with HIV. Mm-hmm. He did not publicly announce his diagnosis and he just kept going. Um, as his just his career just kept going and kept taking off. In 1982, Madam got her own sitcom called Madam's Place. <laughs> and it includes comedy skits, musical performances, and guest interviews. Um, there are several, I think it was only on the, for like one season, but there's several episodes of it, maybe every episode on YouTube. There's one wonderful episode with Betty White where they are so catty madam and betty white are just being so catty (laughs) it is so good it is hilarious yes it's i've told a lot of people like you've got to see this interview it's hilarious um basically both of them are accusing the other one of being a a giant slut (laughs) i love it and then i think this is the correct title i saw a couple titles for it and i didn't get a chance to look it up but waylon wrote madam's memoirs in 1983 in a book called madam my mis- misbegotten memoirs um he also took madam on the road so he performed um like i said earlier in a lot of shows that were not um you know televised in clubs bars nightclubs casinos initially his act was actually considered too dirty for vegas oh wow which i'm like <laughs> that's telling you something right there good job waylon good job uh <laughs> But later they embraced him and he toured everywhere in a ton of different venues. Um, but in 1984, um, he did start taking a, around 1984, he took a, a couple of years break from touring and from doing entertainment. Um, he said he had an intense love hate relationship with his mother oh. and in the eighties, uh, she had some poor health and she passed away. And also he was just kind of tired of, of, being madam and, and doing all the shows all the time a gay guy with mommy issues say it ain't so <laughs> moms man <laughs> um but he did return to touring in um and entertaining in 87 and 88 um he said he liked playing the smaller venues better so he was doing smaller um clubs and things like that on September 2nd, 1988, he was performing at Harrah's in Lake Tahoe when he collapsed on stage. Oh. Um, he had developed an AIDS-related cancer called Kaposi sarcoma. I think yep. I'm saying that right. Sarcoma, Carposi's, no. Carposi's sarcoma. Yeah. So after a brief, brief hospitalization, he returned home to Dawson, Georgia, and he visited family. And then he came back to L.A., and he had to go into hospice care. Oh, man. And Waylon died on October 11th, 1988 from complications from the AIDS-related sarcoma. He was just 48. Mm, and now, yeah, it, it kills me. I'm like, he was so young. 
and so handsome. Oh, such yeah. a good guy. Um, he now rests beside his mother at Cedar Hill Cemetery in Dawson, Georgia. I've read two different things, and I'm not sure. This is a true. fucking Faulkner novel, is what this <laughs> is. <laughs> um, I've read that he was cremated and that his ashes are buried there. I also heard he was just buried along with Madam. Oh, so I'm not really sure. I, I, maybe he was cremated with Madam. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there are some versions of Madam that are still alive and kicking. You can't, you know, get a good girl down. Yeah. Um, several, <laughs> yeah. Uh, several comedians and puppeteers have taken her out on the road. Um, I think one of the latest ones was 2021, although Madam does have an Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> But that. no one has really enjoyed that same level of success with Madam as her creator. And Wayland's influence can still be felt. Um, Wayland's name is Wayland, W-A-Y-L-A-N-D. But okay. he's the inspiration of the character Wayland Smithers, W-A-Y-L-O-N, um, on The Simpsons. <laughs> I love it. So they have a little bit of a different name, but it's still Wayland, Wayland, and uh, Wayland, the cartoon did come out. So, um, and I need to look this up. I didn't have a chance to look it up before we recorded, but on season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, drag queen Raja Gemini performed as Madam on their show's Snatch Game, inspired by Match Game. And that uh, episode that I talked about from Antiques Roadshow that I watched this February, um, a man had acquired an early version of Madam from about 1972. And that version of Madam was appraised for fifteen dollars to $20,000. Wow. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's Dang. cool. That's impressive. I know. It's one of those things that when I see pictures of Madam and Waylon, they look vaguely familiar. And so I'm like, yeah, because well, I'm like, I definitely know Madam, like, because, yeah, uh-huh, again, I've sure. watched old TV with my grandma. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I've definitely seen this puppet. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. And I, I think I just remember the puppet. I mean, I was five and 88. So, you know, I don't know how much TV I remember. <laughs> but um, there are so many hilarious videos and clips all over YouTube. I encourage you, if you're having a bad day, please go look them up. They will make your day. So I wanted to end this with a couple of one-liners that when I saw them, uh, or when I heard them, when I was watching the little videos, I'm like, I'm writing this down. Yes. <laughs> so there was a fabulous little um, moment uh, on Solid Gold with B. Arthur, who is uh, one of my queen, favorite humans our ever. queen. Where Madam told her, I have very little to say about sex. Yes, when and where. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then this is from uh, Norman, is that you? So it's a little bit of a a dirty version, a little dirty joke, because I I don't know what the movie was rated. Either way, she was talking about going to Disney. (laughs) And she said, the Mad Hatter ride was so crowded, I had to sit on Pinocchio's nose. (laughs) Then he proceeded to tell me the weirdest story. And I said, Pinocchio. You know that's not the truth, but lie, you little devil, lie. (laughs) (laughs) On one talk show interview, she's wearing this, of course, like I said, all of her costumes are just outrageous gowns and huge hats and all this. And she's wearing this beautiful sparkly blue dress with all this fur. And she said, I may be a little overdressed this morning. I just came from a funeral. I did take the hat off, too many plumes. And that bag of confetti, I don't want to lose that. (laughs) So just the idea of this old broad and this outrageous hat at a funeral, I was like. With confetti. (laughs) With confetti. I love that. And then these last three are from an uncensored appearance in 1977. It is like every time you found it, it's uncensored. It's on YouTube. It is gloriously filthy. Honey, those Frenchmen are so wishy-washy. You don't know if you're going to get wished or washed. Doesn't much matter. Once I get my wish, I get my wash. <laughs> and then, uh, Bugs Bunny admits he's a homosexual. I guess we really know what's up, Doc. <laughs> and one of my favorites, she talked about seeing a group of nuns uh, walking somewhere. And one of the nuns said, Oh, Mother Superior, what are we going to do about that abortion bill? And she says, Why well, pay it, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So that is the one, the only Waylon Flowers. And I love that so much. I have had the best time looking them up. And thanks again to Andy's Roadshow (laughs) for inspiring this episode because I just... I, I I don't think I would ever have thought of this guy or heard of this guy. And I know I definitely I feel so happy to have found him because he's so talented. Like, yeah, puppets freak me out. But Madam is whole. I want to be best friends with Madam. I know. Great. I love a body poet or <laughs> oh, puppet yeah. rather. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed our. Do we want to give them episode, a sneak peek of next episode? We're going to keep going. Um, full rainbow, yeah, inclusive <laughs> rainbow, and we're gonna double cover- rainbow. <laughs> we're gonna cover gay Hollywood. Woo! <laughs> I'm so excited. I introduced Sheena to Scotty Bowers, and and my life will never be the same again. <laughs> uh, if y'all don't know who he is, just hold on. We will tell you. Oh yes. If you want a sneak preview, there's a documentary about him, and he did write his autobiography. I'm halfway through that autobiography. It is a doozy, ladies and gentlemen. This is coming <laughs> from someone who just finished a Stephen King book, and I'm like, I went from one head spinning thing to another, and I'm like, wow. Um, but yeah, so Gay Hollywood for next time, and Luhu, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or send us an email to cemeteryrowpod at gmail.com. And if you're Katie Lang, email us. Yes, <laughs> yes please. Um, Thanks again to Derek, our editor, who's having yes. to really help us out on this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're very to, tired, Derek. We're very we are, tired. Sorry. Thanks to Revenge Body for our awesome theme song. Yes. Um, also, I wanted to thank you ladies for just being awesome. Um, yes. You know, it's been a rough couple of years. <laughs> and it we started been. this, what, a year and a half ago? And it's yes. seriously been such a... I hate to say blessings that sound so cheesy, but it really has been a big blessing in my life. And I love y'all dearly. So I was just going to say I know. Like, don't make me cry. I've already cried watching Post tonight. Anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you to all of you. We love you too. And send us some good reviews. Tell your friends about us and all that good stuff. And we will see you next time. Bye. Yeah. Bye.